Ion 2020, episode 70. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's going on, everybody? It's Ray Eaton, your main man for the mayhem that is going on in this 2020 election cycle. Uh, I appreciate you coming out and joining me today on Ion 2020, the place that you're going to find that news and all those related events that are going to happen uh, as we lead up, for the, lead up to this 2020 election cycle. Uh, it's only 2019, I know, but you guys got to realize that the debates are going to be coming soon, and that's when the news cycle is going to get interesting. You're going to start seeing people dropping out, and you're already seeing people, or you're still seeing people getting into the race uh, slowly but surely, but you're going to start seeing people dropping out once they start realizing that they don't even have a chance against half these candidates, right? Uh, Some of these, like John Delaney, I don't know that he's going to make it very far. Although he did raise quite a bit of money at the end of uh, December, he... I think it showed that he raised like six or seven million dollars that was in those coffers. So, but you know, there's certain people that I just that I'm following on Twitter and on Facebook and different places, and I'm doing this, guys, so you don't have to. By the way, uh, but I'm following these people, and whenever they post something, usually they don't have a lot of a lot of people that are liking what they're saying. They're not getting a lot of retweets, things like that. Um, but then you got the the mainline candidates. Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, uh, Tulsi Gabbard even, like whenever they, whenever those folks post anything, Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, some of the mainstream candidates, the ones that are the more popular people, they're getting, you know, two or 3,000 likes and retweets and things of that nature. They're getting people commenting on what they're saying. Uh, So you can see there's a little bit of buzz among those people. And then you can see some of the candidates that just don't have any buzz whatsoever. So uh, you'll see those people drop out pretty quick, uh, which is probably a good thing. So I noticed uh, the other day Tulsi Gabbard was able to get, I think she hit that 65,000 number. Uh, so she's going to be on that debate stage. And I think Andrew Yang was one of the ones that hit that 65,000 uh, donations number as well. Uh, and then most of the other candidates, it's more because they're pulling at the right numbers and that's why they're able to get onto the debate stage as well. So, uh, But I'm here for you. I'm just making sure that I'm following all this news and all these related events. Your main man for the mayhem of this 2020 election. Uh, I just came up with that earlier and I thought it was funny just saying that. But I won't keep on saying that. I, pr- I, I promise. I absolutely promise. Uh, but go ahead if you can. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show so you can hear me tomorrow. And I have multiple episodes ahead of this one, right? So I, I think I put out, this is episode 70, so I put out 69 episodes already since the beginning of the year, since the beginning of January, whenever I decided to start this little uh, piece, this little project that I'm working on, which is following all of the election coverage of the 2020 election. A lot of libertarians think I'm crazy for doing this because we hate politics. We hate dealing with all that stuff. But for some reason, I decided to go ahead and brave the storm 
and deal with the Democrats and all of the promises that they're making with your money. I decided to brave it because I know that it's going to be fun to watch this election cycle. And the reason why is because Donald Trump is the president and he just loves to beat people up. And it was very funny to watch it during the 20 or 2016 election. And it'll be absolutely hilarious to watch it when he gets to not only beat up on the Republicans, but the Democrats too. Know this though, I'm not a Trump supporter. I just think the guy is uh, great for TV. And that's what he's good at, right? He's great for TV. Maybe not great for America, but great for TV. So that's why I decided to do this. And also, you know, figure I'd bring a little little bit of a libertarian spin on the 2020 election. Let you guys hear it. Let you guys see what's going on from a libertarian perspective. Even if you are a Republican or a Democrat, you can know that I will set you guys straight for this 2020 election cycle from a libertarian perspective. And I now am related to a Bill Crystal, the uh, neoconservative out there, the probably the biggest neocon in the world, loves, he's never found a word that he didn't love, right? And he is now declaring himself a libertarian. So apparently that, that term is watered down big time nowadays. But anyway, so, uh, but if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe. And if you really, really like what you hear, you can go ahead and like the show. Or not like the show. You can't like the show on uh, Apple iTunes. But you can go ahead and give me a five-star rating and a review. Five-star rating and a review. Can't go wrong when you do that. That's going to help me to beat those stupid algorithms that they have. That's going to allow you to type in Libertarian Podcast and boom, Ion 2020 will show up. That's how that's how I'm going to make that happen. So uh, go ahead and do that. Give me a five-star rating review. Subscribe to the show. And if you like to look at some news and things that are going on, you can probably find me at ionTheEmpire.com because that's my website. And I'm at ionTheEmpire, which is the Twitter handle. And if you type in ionTheEmpire now on Facebook, you're going to find me there. I have a page. So... um you might like what you see. You might. I'm, I'm, I'm even going to start posting stupid memes and stuff. No, nah, I, I don't think I'll do that. I'm going to post news stories and, and general stuff on that Facebook page as well. So you can type it in. I'm everywhere. That's, that's the, that is it. Eye on the Empire. I might have to change the name of the podcast to Eye on the Empire at some point. But um, Eye on 2020 is good because I'm following the, the candidates that are going out there and I have some good news for you guys today, so let me go ahead and jump into that because uh, you don't want to hear me more, all the ranting and raving that I'm doing, but uh, I'll go ahead and find you guys some news and let, make sure I go through all the little stack of stuff that I have and let you guys know what's going on. The first main event that I want to talk about is just a follow-up from yesterday, and I guess we'll call this again the Eye on the Empire segment because that's what it was yesterday. Uh, yesterday I was talking about how Donald Trump has declared the Revolutionary Guard, Iranian Revolutionary Guard, as a terrorist organization, and uh, he hasn't really seen a lot of backlash from that, I don't think. I was trying to find, even the Democratic candidates weren't really saying too much about this, right? That he's taken it upon himself to declare a foreign powers military 
to be a terrorist organization, which opens, like I said it before, it opens up the ability for him to go in there and say, hey, you know what, I have the executive power now to go ahead and invade this country because their military is a terrorist organization and I have the power to go anywhere in the world as long as I'm seeking out Al-Qaeda and its affiliates and those terror organizations that are like affiliated with them and that because that's because of that 2001 authorization for the use of force that Congress passed back then. Uh, that has been completely misinterpreted and uh, basically shredded, man. I mean, they, they're shredding the Constitution using this thing. And so Donald Trump announced that on, I believe it was Monday morning is when he announced that. And on uh, so recently, I was looking through some articles, and I found one that shows that I, Iran now has declared CENTCOM, which is our military central command, as a terrorist organization also. Um, and they announced that. And yesterday, during that show, I did say something in the effect of, if you're on their side and you're looking at the U.S. military and all of the intervention that it does throughout the world and so forth, you, they might be able to perceive our military to be doing some things that are terroristic, right? Terrorizing people, blowing up schoolhouses, blowing up wedding parties, things of that nature. Those are things that terrorist organizations typically do. Now, you think terrorist organization, they go in with a strapped on vest that blows up but a lot of times it's other stuff that they're doing as well and so they're declaring the u.s military essentially as a terrorist organization by doing that and i just want to let you guys know that because these are things that are just ramping up possibilities possibilities of war possibilities of things that are going to affect you your life and mine and ultimately my children's lives because i have you know, two kids, and you know, they just declared that women are are not allowed to, or women are. They didn't say this exactly, but the supreme or the court in the United States has said that it is unconstitutional just to have men available for the draft. So, are they going to change it to have women available for the draft as well? And I have two kids within the next ten years that are both going to be eighteen and eligible for that draft. And if we are in any type of war, that's going to be something that they're going to have to initiate a draft at some point if there was some type of ramp up in military uh, like military aggression against other countries. And the reason why I say that is because this comes from the horse's mouth. I was speaking to somebody that is actually a, a recruiter, and they said nationwide it's very hard to recruit. Uh, they're having challenges recruiting enough people for the military. And the reason why is because these kids are not, I guess they're not even, that maybe they're just not growing up as patriotic anymore. I'm not sure. But, I mean, he, you would even think in Texas uh, you would have a lot more people that are really patriotic and ready to go serve their country and all that. And you just don't have that. You, you still have the people that are trying to get in the military, but they're having a harder time making their quotas, making their numbers. And what does a government do when it gets its back against the wall? It uses force. They initiate the draft. They initiate basically conscription, slavery, 
and you're a slave to your country now. Go fight, go die. Go be cannon fodder over in Iran somewhere. I don't know that's going to get to that. I hope not. Like I said on yesterday's show, I think that we're in a, or Donald Trump might be just, you know, puffing his chest out and, and beating his chest and, you know, looking tough to try to get these guys to come to the table like he did with North Korea. Uh, hopefully that's the case. I will keep my fingers, toes, and my legs crossed in hopes for that. But, um, you know, you stare down, you try to stare down one of these dictators, and at some point, maybe they are going to fire that first shot, and that might be what they're looking for as well. I know the neocons are looking for that, I'm sure. So I just wanted to bring that to you, though, because that is just a tit for tat situation right there. Uh, Iran is now declaring CENTCOM as a terrorist organization. And that seems a little bit scary to me. And I hope it does to you because it just shows where uh, relations in the Middle East are. They're not getting better. They're only getting worse. Boy, is Pete Buttigieg out there really just uh, making a name for himself. He's out there, uh, you know, he's raising money like crazy. 70% of Americans say that, you know, they're okay supporting a gay president. I think most people are past that in this world. You do have the, I guess, the Christian conservative people that might be very anti-gay or something. I don't know. I think most of younger people could care less. It's probably really old people that are all worried about somebody being gay. So, uh, But he's making a name for himself. And I think that he, what he's doing is he took uh, Vice President Pence, Pence to task on this thing. And I don't know if Pence specifically said something about Buttigieg. I I doubt that's the case. But uh, I know that Vice President Pence has kind of been an anti, or not anti-gay. He's he's against gay marriage, and he's against the. I guess he's a Christian guy, and he's a Christian conservative, so he's gonna have those religious views against uh, homosexuality, I guess. And Buttigieg says that. You know that's between that's between you and your God how you feel about me, you know. And he's he's taking this guy to task. He might be he might have the fire in his belly to go after Trump and go after Vice President the Vice President and so forth. I mean, it's just interesting he's doing it. But they say he's surging in the polls, and uh, people like him. I mean, when you listen to him speak, I've said that before. He does have that. Uh, he has a little bit of charisma behind him, right? And but he does answer like a politician. I said that yesterday as well. So we'll see. But uh, a little bit about him. I'm just reading this particular article. It says he's a son of an immigrant from Malta. And he attended Harvard College around the same time as Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. He received a prestigious Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford University. So this guy is really, really bright. And he spent seven months in Afghanistan and the U.S. Army Navy Reserves as an intelligence analyst and driver and worked as a consultant for McKinsey and Company. Uh, he re- Whoa, did he, this guy speaks seven languages, uh, some of them fluently, including Spanish and Norwegian. So I guess he can say a few words in Italian, too, maybe, who knows. But Spanish and Norwegian, so he's three languages, including English. Uh, but yeah, he's the first openly gay candidate for president. And I think I did an episode on him a couple weeks back as well. So um, if not, I'll check my notes and see. But if not, I'll go ahead and get into a very detailed uh, show about him as well. But he is really um, taking off in the polls is what they say. He trends well with younger voters. 
He also trends well with older voters. Um, and being a youth, being youthful, uh, I guess he's at the beginning of that millennial generation is what they'd call it because he's 37 years old. So uh, that's the very beginning of that millennial generation. But the only thing I could see is that he doesn't have the experience in federal government. He's only been a mayor. He might have jumped in a little bit too soon. Maybe he's better for 2024 or something. Who knows? Uh, and that might be the case. He might be running now just to see, just to kind of get himself in that present, get himself into the presidential race to see how it goes, uh, to- test the waters per se, and then maybe get himself a Senate seat down the road. Uh, and then I'll put a lineup for 2024. But he did say he does have that very high self-worth, that high ego that says I'm the right person for the for the job. And that just drives me crazy. But uh, anyway, this guy is surging in the polls and uh, he's making a huge splash. He's been all over the news uh, for the last like three or four days because of him trying to take Mike Pence to task on um, on gay rights. So just want to let you guys know a little bit about that. And then I got some several other articles that I want to talk to you guys as well. So I don't know if you guys remember me saying this in the past, but I didn't think Elizabeth Warren was really the most popular candidate out there, right? I think that she maybe has these ideas, these leftist ideas uh, that kind of take off. She's not really distinguishing herself too much from Bernie Sanders on those things, but she has come up with, she's made news basically because of some of her ideas like having a wealth tax and things like that. So here she is, uh, they did a poll, and it turned out that she comes in third place in her home state of Massachusetts. That is not looking good for Elizabeth Warren. She can't even pull high in her own state. That's going to be um, that's gonna be a challenge for her. And I think it's, like I said, I just don't think that when people listen to her, she doesn't have charisma. She's very just like a linear speaker and so forth. She's a very nice, I mean, she sounds like a very nice lady. Don't get me wrong. I just think that when it comes to her, the way that she presents herself, I don't think that she has that presidential feel. She has that college professor feel. And that's what she was. That's what she was before she was a senator, is a college professor. Probably better for getting things done in legislative chambers like the Senate, but not quite the campaigner that you would expect like a Donald Trump uh, Donald Trump will eat her for, eat her for dinner. And the thing is, is I heard someone say this the other day, and it's totally true. She made a huge mistake by challenging Donald Trump on this stupid thing of her being Native American, and then going out and getting herself a DNA test. And it turns out that she's like one one thousandth Native American. Come on, I would not have post published that stuff. I would not have published that out there. Never. There's no chance that I would have done that because it doesn't prove that you're Native American. It proves that people are going to be making memes about you for the next two weeks because of that. Uh, And they sure enough did. I'm sure you guys saw them. But anyway, so she can't even win her home state in a poll. And to me, that's terrible. The next piece I got is um, the Washington Washington Examiner is uh, just saying as their headline, 2020 warning, Trump least popular president to run for re-election in the history of polling. 
This is by Paul Bedard, April 8th, 2019. It's never good for a sitting president heading into re-election to be compared to Jimmy Carter. In 1980, with the country in an economic and diplomatic crisis, the beleaguered former president took on Ronald Reagan, then considered a weak challenger and won only six states. Now, as 2020 nears, President Trump is finding himself consistently behind Democrats in re-election polls, and the latest has compared to Republicans to, or they've been comparing uh, the Republican to Jimmy Carter. Perhaps the closest analogy to Trump in terms of approval rating is Jimmy Carter, whose average approval rating for his term was 45%, said a survey from the Wasson Center for Public Policy at Virginia's Chris. But so let me get off the article for a second. Donald Trump's approval rating is, I, I look at this daily on the Rasmussen tracking poll. And on a daily basis, he's been tracking low. So his strongly approval rating is around 37 38%. Sometimes it goes down to like 34%. But since this Mueller investigation has been over, it's been going up slightly. And then if you look at the approval rating, not just strongly approval, approval rating overall, he's above 50% right now and higher than Barack Obama was at the same time as his, in his presidency. So I think that this opinion piece on the Washington Examiner is getting this completely wrong. Uh, I think that while Donald Trump is not exactly popular and that he does have his problems, I think that the um, it is, it's not much different than where uh, Barack Obama was. Well, and Barack Obama at the same time in his presidency, he was coming out of passing Obamacare uh, Christmas Eve 2000, I think it was 2009, Christmas Eve 2009, Christmas Eve 2010. He did just, they had just passed Obamacare. The whole Tea Party movement was going crazy at that point. And the Democrats lost big time in the House in 2010. And then again in 2012. Uh, they, I think they ended up losing the Senate too in 2012. So you're looking at a Donald Trump that's in very similar position that uh, Barack Obama is where the people that loved him, loved him. The people that hated him, hated him. And it's just kind of flip-flop now that it's a Republican candidate, a Republican president. So I don't think that this guy has it right. Uh, but that's just me. I mean, I always, uh, I'm always one that's trying to find these polls and see what's going on. And this particular person that wrote this in the Washington Examiner has it wrong. It's not Donald, Donald Trump is not uh, going to have is not in much of a different situation than, you know, his predecessor, Barack Obama. Um, but we'll see how that comes out. You know, we'll see how it turns out. And that's what you're here for, right? To, to listen to things that are going on for the 2020 election. Hopefully I brought you a couple good news pieces today as well. And um, I hope that you'll come back tomorrow and listen because I really enjoy doing this. And I'm starting to see numbers increase every single day. And it's great. It's great to see all these numbers coming up uh, on the number of downloads that I'm getting on different platforms as well. If you'd like to, go ahead and subscribe to the show so you'll hear this tomorrow. And uh, hit me up on uh, I on the Empire. That's at I on the Empire. That's my Twitter handle. You can also go to my website, IonTheEmpire.com. And you can also support the show there if you really like what you hear. Uh, that would be amazing. That would be really nice. So uh, go ahead, though, and subscribe, and then you'll be able to hear this tomorrow, and you'll have clear vision for that 2020 election that's right around the corner.